Greetings. Welcome to Two Days Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. Well, the new year is here. We are now into 2022. Uh, certainly trust that all of my audience uh, had a wonderful New Year's holiday and are certainly looking forward to uh, great things up in the upcoming year. New Year's is a great time uh, to think about changes we want to make uh, in our lives, uh, things we want to commit to. I know we call them resolutions, and uh, sadly, too many times resolutions are forsaken. Uh, I always like to think about people who like to go to the gym and say they're going to use lose X amount of weight and commit themselves to stay in the gym from now on, and they can't even last two to three months. <laughs> but uh, whatever it is that you're thinking about doing this year, commitment-wise, uh, make sure you set reachable, uh, challenging but reachable uh, things that you can do and uh, goals that have meaning, uh, things especially in the spiritual life, uh, things that you want to do to grow in the faith, uh, whether it be practicing the spiritual disciplines more, uh, things of that nature uh, really do make a difference in our lives. And you know what? If you find yourself falling back on them, uh, don't give up. Don't give up. Get yourself back in the game, and perhaps you won't finish everything you wanted to do during the year. However, you're going to be a lot further ahead uh, than you would have been if you had not done it at all. So I encourage you uh, to do, set, and make good plans for yourself in 2022. And having said that, we're going to look at some of that today. I like to start my New Year's podcast, and I will make a similar video on my YouTube channel about this very thing. Uh, they will duplicate each other. And certainly talking about uh, our need for stronger spiritual commitment uh, in this year, this new year. But I want to look at things. And as I said in the last uh, podcast uh, that I made, um, I really wanted to commit myself stronger to podcasting this year. So I have actually put investment into that. And right now I am speaking to you on a new microphone. Uh, really, really uh, like it. I am still adjusting to it. So the settings I'm on in this podcast, I may not hold into the next one. So be patient. There may be some changes in my audio over the next few podcasts. But I think this one and this particular sound in my tests uh, sounded really good. I'll have to hear how it sounds on the podcast uh, in the future. This microphone, it's a Shure MV7. Uh, it was made about a year and a half ago, created by the Shure uh, company, and uh, particularly uh, for podcasting. And uh, I was looking forward for a while, say when the day comes and the time's right, and I get a good deal on this mic. I wanted to do uh, get one, and the Lord opened the door. I uh, got a nice gift, and certainly that contributed greatly uh, to this new microphone. So already I have one goal, and, and you know what? I can do this because as long as the Lord keeps me in good health, uh, I committed myself to the YouTube channel last year, and I created 36 videos, uh, far more than I had done the year before. And the year before that, I did more podcasts uh, uh, than I did last year by far. But uh, I did fulfill my goal about with the YouTube channel, and I will fulfill it with podcasting as well. So let's move ahead here. I do have a theme that I would like to look at this year. Uh, I can't say that sometimes I won't veer off of it, but I think we need to take a look at revival. We as a nation, we in the church, and I probably get more information uh, than many of my listeners do, or what's going on in churches, in the evangelical faith, and uh, it's very concerning. It's concerning enough to break the heart. It's concerning enough that we need to go back to the days of 1858 when Jeremiah Lanfear led the prayer revival. We are having some serious, serious times of spiritual drought, uh, spiritual uh, entertainment, uh, in, in the truest sense of the word, uh, that is pulling people away, I believe, uh, from the true knowledge of God. 
it is in a sense a substitute for the real thing. And that's one of the reasons why I want to look into revival because one of my goals throughout uh, this particular year is to demonstrate what a real revival looks like, help people understand and know what to pray for, and even check out your own spiritual life where you and I need to get our lives right and on a better journey, on a better faith walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when I speak on the subject of revival this year, it's going to be in line with challenge. It's going to be. One of the things that revival does, true revival does, it challenges us and takes us into the core of our inner being to where we have slipped away from our Lord. Uh, it challenge, challenges lost people to come to faith in the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are the things that revival does. Uh, before the joy comes in revival, the hard stuff comes first. And in these days and times, many of our churches that claim revival and stuff are totally skipping the fact that with revival, repentance must come first. So you will see and hear from many of the lessons in the upcoming year uh, when I present evidence in the past of real revival, uh, it's going to be very plain and clear what real and what fake revival looks like. You know, one of the things, too, when I speak of challenge, one of the basic things I think that Christians can challenge themselves to do annually is Bible reading. And I, I have a uh, YouTube personality uh, who is a minister, and I highly respect him, highly. Uh, one of the things that he had said in his video and what he titled it was guilt-free Bible reading. And I had to watch it because I was curious, what is guilt-free Bible reading? But it's a plan that he uses and carries in his Bible that, well, if you miss days and stuff, it's no big deal. Don't let it bother you. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I think Christians need to be challenged to read their Bibles annually. I often say on my podcast, you're not going to know truth from error if you're not in the Word of God. I can sit here and teach you. I can speak about Bible verses, but... You need to be a Berean yourself. You need to be looking and examining the scriptures to see if what I, I'm saying is true or what your pastor is saying is true. There's nothing wrong with that. A pastor who is sound and solid in the faith, in their knowledge of scriptures, is going to encourage you to do that, as I would do, do the same. Uh, I have no problem with my listeners uh, challenging something I might say, asking about it in a respectful way. Come on, if we're Christians, we're going to respect each other. And there are theological points of disagreement. And it, if it doesn't affect the gospel, the faith walk, living the holy life in this faith, things like that, uh, the true doctrines, Jesus Christ's virgin birth, uh, his return, the atonement, his substitutionary death, which is the atonement, uh, as long as it doesn't affect those things, there are going to be points of disagreement. So having said that, uh, we, we still have to respect each other. And certainly through the ages, uh, many of the theological disagreements have brought great harm to the body of Christ when Jesus, in his final prayer in John 17, uh, certainly prayed for us to all be one. So back to the guilt-free Bible reading. Uh, you know, I will tell people about their Bible reading. If you get behind and you feel you can't catch, catch up, just keep doing it. Just pick up where you can get started again and get going. And you might be able to schedule yourself times to work on those chapters uh, that you missed. But the fact of the matter is, you got to do this. We Christians need to do this. And like I said, I respected the minister who came up with this concept because all things, he's very solid when it comes to faith and practice. But I just can't, I, I, I guess I am saying is, it's difficult for me in our times, the pulpit, the preachers, you're not challenging your people. You're not leading them in a way to push them forward, down this better path, down the better journey. You want your congregation 
And I would say to him, you want your YouTube watchers to be in the Word of God. You want them annually in a good plan that they choose and stick with it, encourage them in a semi way, hold them accountable. How are you doing with your scripture reading? And I say semi because on video, it's a little bit hard on a play on a, a, chant, a YouTube app to hold people in a sense accountable and they're not part of your congregation. But with your own congregation, certainly, as you encourage them and give reading plans out, you want to encourage them to stay strong in the faith and certainly uh, to be reading their Bibles and keeping their commitments. Because when it comes down to it, you know, we say guilt-free and stuff. This is not a matter of convenience. It's, it's not a lifestyle. It's our life, period. Do you understand what I just said? Serving God is not a matter of convenience. And it's not just a lifestyle. It is our life, this Christian faith. Do we do it perfectly? No. We still have much to learn on our journey. But how are we going to do that if we're not taking up challenges to do greater things in our walk of faith? Let me give you an example. Back in 1995 and 1996, uh, I'm a fan of the Detroit Red Wings, lifelong. And uh, the Red Wings had the best, uh, the best record in the league for a couple of seasons. And then in 1995, they got knocked out of the playoffs by surprise by the San Jose Sharks. Well, they didn't pack up the bag and give everything up after that season. The next year, they came out, played harder, had the best record in the league again, and they lost in the conference finals to Colorado. And did they pack it in? Did they say, okay, we're never going to be good enough to do this? No. They didn't do that. They continued to work with determination. And in 1997, it came down to the point where they beat both Colorado in the conference finals and Philadelphia for the Stanley Cup for the first time in, uh, since 1942, or sorry, first time in 42 years, they had won the Stanley Cup trophy. Now, I bring up Darren McCarty because he's important in this. After it was all said and done in 1997, or the, whoever was interviewing Darren McCarty asked him, well, what was the difference this year? You know, you had these other years where your records were better, uh, you know, when everybody thought you would win the Stanley Cup in those days. What did you have to do to win this? And Darren McCarty just said, we just had to work harder. So every year they, they determined they were going to work harder. They were going to get better, each player at their skill until they got it right and won. And actually that year they won, not that year, they won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. And then actually uh, 1997, Darren McCarty was the one who scored the game-winning goal in game four, which brought the Stanley Cup to them. We just had to work harder. Well, Christian, in this walk of our progressive journey of holiness, sometimes we have to work a little harder. We need to make greater commitments. We need to accept greater challenges. And I do believe that most true Christians in their hearts, you know this. You know this. I, I think I'm preaching to the choir. But for those of you who do struggle in this area, I'm trying to give you some encouragement to say, hey, we got to move on. Hey, we got to get better. And I'm going to talk about some of that today. I want to give you some encouragement from Second Chronicles of all places. And you'll, you'll understand why here shortly. But in closing this section here, I want to talk about the New England Patriots, the love or hate team of the National Football League. But, but they have a terrific motto. It's simply this, three words. Do your job. <laughs> Do your job. You mean for 25, up to 25 years of great success, that's their motto? That really is the engine inside them that makes them roll? Yes, do your job. And even the backups, when they come in, they know what to do. Well, Christians, in the end, we are a team. But individually, as Christians, are we doing our job? Are we practicing the spiritual disciplines in our lives? Are we doing the practical things of the Christian faith that we're supposed to be doing? Are we doing our job? Now I want to talk to you about 
Solomon's great prayer at the dedication of the temple. Really one of the beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. Solomon built the temple. I believe it took around seven years for it to be built. And uh, his father, King David, had uh, stored many materials uh, for this very thing. But as you know, the Lord did not allow David to build the temple because he was a man of bloodshed, as Scripture says. But his son, who was going to have peace in his time, was going to be the one to build uh, the temple in Jerusalem. And Solomon, at this time, had already prayed that God would give him the gift of wisdom. Uh, he was certainly doing many things that were very pleasing to the Lord uh, during this period of time in his reign until he married so many women that they drew him away into pagan uh, religious practices, which the Lord certainly brought judgment uh, on the children of Israel for many of his acts. But this was a good point. This was a good thing uh, that Solomon did at this point in his life. And I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this particular prayer, because even though this prayer, in context, refers to the temple itself, and it really was a dedication prayer to the temple. However, there are principles in here that always continue. And you're going to hear what I'm talking about and understand that uh, in a little while as we move on in this podcast. So over in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 14 and 15, I just want to read those two verses because if you remember, I have taught in the past about a prayer formula called the ACTS formula, which ACTS acronym means one is ad A is adoration, C is confession, T is thanksgiving, and S is supplication or requests. And Solomon starts out with a beautiful adoration. Uh, he prays about confession because the temple is a place where people go, just like we go to churches to pray uh, for forgiveness of sins uh, many times. Of course, we go to church and pray for many other things, uh, whether on our own or in uh, as a corporate body. But uh, here Solomon is praying before the people with specific requests in regard to this temple. He starts, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name, adoration. And who was he talking to? Our Father God, who is in heaven, Lord God of Israel. Solomon was addressing exactly who he was speaking to. There is no God like you in heaven or on earth. Do we begin our prayers with adoration? Well, Solomon even though that particular phrase is not too long. But he brings great honor to God in what he said and in reference to who God is, who keeps his gracious covenant with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. How much of their heart? See, Christian, that's a principle right there for us. Well, we are supposed to walk with the Lord if we are Christians. Uh, with all our heart. How are we doing that area? You have kept what you promised to your servant, my father David. You spoke directly to him, and you fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. So God is a prayer-hearing God, and he acts. You and I, when we pray, we need to realize, you know, sometimes when we get no for an answer and things don't go the way we we want, doesn't mean God isn't there, that he doesn't hear. It's, that's not true. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, are we asking in accordance with God's will? And if we want to learn to pray sometimes, as we should, go back and read the prayers of Scripture. Because throughout the Old Testament and the New, you're going to find a thread of things that are very important to God that we can be praying in line with and I would suspect we would see great and mighty things uh, come from God as a result of that. So in a little bit here, 
over down around for, uh, verse 22 and 23, Solomon starts praying specific petitions in regard to this dedication of the temple and the people who were going to come and certainly pray in it and seek God's face in there. In his first request, in verses 22 to 23, I'm not going to read all these or this podcast would last a very long time. But he basically called for justice. You know, even wicked people go and pray in chapels or in churches. Uh, They do. And sometimes that is to get in there uh, as a way to cover for their errors or whatever. But Solomon here is asking for justice even when the bad guy goes into the temple to pray. He isn't praying. Just if, if if the person repents, goes a righteous path, then certainly God would ask accordingly but if not solomon prayed that that individual will be judged according to their wickedness now we can look at that there's not much difference in our time in regard to that i wouldn't think his second petition was for healing and restoration and forgiveness of sin after loss to an enemy due to the people's departure of the faith or uh, seeking sinful ways or getting into idolatry idolatrous practices of another land Uh, That was our verses 24 to 25. Now, let's look at our world today, our nation. Our nation has departed, decided it's going to go its own way. Plain and simple. And a nation that forgets God, it's, it's going to bring consequences. And in the Bible, those consequences are serious consequences. So there isn't much difference here. Loss to an enemy due to faith departure. Yes, those types of things uh, unfortunately do happen and we need to take note of them. Then there's the third petition where it deals with God bringing a drought due to the sins of the people. And if the people come to their senses and come to the temple and seek forgiveness in sincerity, notice, look, this is where you and I need to be honest with God. Be honest to God. When we sin, we must come and confess and agree with God that we have sinned. There's no hiding it from him. All things, as the book of Hebrews says, are naked and exposed before him. Why do we want to hide it? Why do we want to hide it from him? You know, and when we do that and we come and seek that forgiveness, our fellowship is restored, Christian. Our fellowship is restored and and our faith walk gets renewed and we're on that new and joyful path once again, a fellowship with the Lord. Doesn't mean it won't be challenging down the road. That's not what I'm saying. But having peace with God and the peace of God, as Paul described it in the book of Philippians, certainly is a beautiful experience. You know, that raises a quick big question. Does God bring natural calamities on peoples due to their sin? It's a biblical, legitimate question. Because there are numerous times throughout Scripture those very things have happened. Elijah, never hear of him? Wasn't he the one who prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years on the earth? And it's exactly what happened. There are numerous places in Scripture. And I do believe, can it happen in our times? Well, I would think in some senses... We potentially could be denying Scripture if we try to say, no, that doesn't happen. I, I don't agree with that. I really The Puritans didn't agree with that. The Puritans often called for days of mourning when natural calamity came, things like droughts, things like enormously bad storms and stuff because they thought they were the cause because of their sin. So they would call for days of mourning and fasting. What do we do? You know, what do we do? Yeah, it's a good thing. We need to be helping, helping other people when they're going through crises. I, I am 100% for that, disaster relief and things like that. But Christians need to pray. And I do would say this one might be seemingly con- uh, controversial, but to the Christian it shouldn't naturally, uh, automatically be controversial because it is biblical. It does happen. And you just read what's going to happen in the end times. How many natural calamities are going to happen there? Many, many. So I would say in our times, this is one of the necessities 
if we want things to be well, then we need to be in prayer. And we need to pray uh, for righteousness to prevail in our world, in our nation, and a return uh, to God. Fourth petition, it was a conglomeration. Uh, a conglomeration of maladies. These included things like famine, disease, says mildew, locust infestations, plagues. You know, Solomon prayed that people would come in sincerity to the temple and seek his face. And if they did that, then that he would heal them. Look, let us not go. The, the temple was not in your church in a sense, was not built to be manufacturing forgiveness. Again, remember what I talked about earlier, being honest to God or honest with God. Now, the fifth petition, I really love this particular one. I'm going to spend a moment on it because it speaks about the foreigner in the land. And I, I think what Solomon was praying here shed lights on a greater emphasis that happened later on even to the coming of Jesus Christ and his birth he prays even for the foreigner who is not of your people Israel but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your strong hand and outstretched arm see this is even for the Gentiles so to speak who wants to come to this temple and seek your face now Solomon's not going to do like what the Pharisees did and throw them out and say, you're meant for the fires of hell. <laughs> That's not what Solomon's going to pray here. The one he prays is a beautiful thing. When he comes and prays toward this temple, it says prays toward this temple, which means even though the foreigner goes there, they cannot go in the temple. But they can still go to Jerusalem and pray toward that temple, even if they're outside that temple. And this is wonderful what Solomon prays. May you hear in heaven, in your dwelling place, and do all the foreigner asks you. Then all the peoples of the earth will know your name to fear you as your people Israel do. And know that this temple I have built bears your name. To be a light. To go talk and give glory to God. Because God heard the prayer of the foreigner. That foreigner would go to their own land and speak about the glory of the God of Israel. See, that's what's important too, because what that individual could do in that period of time, it was thought that only gods of particular peoples, uh, like Baal, for the Philistines, that's uh, only Philistines could uh, seek Baal. They couldn't seek another god and, and have an answer. Well, that's not true. And Solomon here is praying that when the foreigner comes, that they can hear and that they can pray and receive an answer, go back to their lands and bring glory to the God of Israel. That's an evangelist, by the way. There you go right there. But I like what this said here. May you hear from heaven your dwelling place and do all the foreigner ask you. But it's a, it's a greater point. God never intended for people of other nations not to hear about him, hear about his glory. Certainly, God's chosen people, Israel, were to shine the light by the way they lived to the nations, but they grossly failed. Now, I like the prophecy of Simeon, since we're a little past Christmas still here. Uh, Simeon's prophecy is significant because when he saw Jesus in the temple, when Mary and Joseph were coming to bring Mary's offering for having her child, Simeon, who was promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah, knew right away when he saw them, the Holy Spirit revealed Mary and Joseph and Jesus as a child uh, to him. And not long afterward, when he met them, he prayed this. Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promise, for my eyes have seen your salvation in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. A light 
for revelation to the Gentiles. And that happened for real in Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius when Peter brought the good news to Cornelius' household. And then it was wide open from there. You know, we could look back further. Again, there's so much here that we could go back and look at these scriptures closer about Jesus and his coming and how God also revealed himself over time to Gentiles. We could go over there to Acts chapter 10 and we could look at those events and see how God brought this about with Peter uh, at his Cornelius' house. But even in Acts chapter 11, when Peter was giving an account, because he was being challenged. He was being challenged by the church at Jerusalem. What, how are you doing what you're doing? You're not supposed, this is not supposed to happen. Well, they discovered it was supposed to happen. Because Peter said, how am I going to resist the Holy Spirit who brought what we have onto these Gentiles? And you know the answer, it's not going to happen. Because all of this was prophesied. Okay. Now I do want to say in regard to the other petitions that Solomon gave here, there are basically seven of them, but they're kind of duplicate uh, after verse 33. And what I mean by that is if, if the children of Israel fall to the enemy and they're taken out of their land, it says if they pray toward the temple, let's see, it's a big difference between praying in the temple and toward it, they're praying from that foreign land toward the temple that God would hear them and answer them when they're, and forgive them of their sins and bring them back to restoration. And that goes to the other things too, whether it's maladies, uh, struggles with enemies, things like that. Uh, it, it goes right along uh, that line. But I do want to talk about the answer, God's answer in regard to Solomon's prayer because it's significant. And it's significant when it comes to revival. And that's why I wanted to talk about that, because it's important that we know uh, what the elements of revival are. Again, I could have a biblical scholar out there, and believe me, I know how to do theology, say this was only meant for the temple. In a sense, yes, the prayer was. However, there are universal principles here, and this is where we're going to get into those. And there's no way anybody can deny that the things I'm going to talk about here are not universal principles in our dealings uh, with God, especially when it comes to the issue of, of repentance. Over in 2 Chronicles, uh, the Lord heard the prayer of Solomon. And when that prayer was given, it, the glory of the Lord, now we'll talk more about this later, was so strong that it stopped all the priests from doing what they were doing uh, right after that uh, because God was in the house. God was in the house. And Solomon said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. God answered the prayer very positively, as you see, right from the start. And then he says this, If I shut the sky above so there is no rain, Oh, oh, by the way, this is 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 16, if you have your Bible and you want to look at it. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people who bear my name, I'm sorry, if my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to the prayers from this place as I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and heart will be there at all times. All right, well, I want to go to the center of the passage that I had just read. If my people who bear my name... Well, you know what? Even though he's talking about the children of Israel there, do we not bear the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Christian? Isn't it important? There's a relational aspect there. Christian, we have a relationship with the Lord. If my people, if there's times where God is bringing discipline into our lives, 
If you bear the name of the Lord, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. All right. Well, let's look at this. Is anybody going to say, humbling ourselves, praying, and seeking God's face, is that not a universal principle when it comes to our faith in God and our walk of faith? And certainly when it comes in line with the repentance, and we're going to see shortly, clearly there has to be not only just praying, seeking forgiveness, but there has to be a change of direction as well. Or otherwise you do not have the real meaning of repentance, which probably would mean you do not have true repentance at all. You know, I'll say back in the 1980s, uh, the song, If My People, uh, this came from this particular passage. And there was a lot of revival seeking back in the 1980s. And part of the reason was that our nation seemed to be adrift. Uh, there were great economic crises in the late 1970s. I remember those quite well, among other things uh, that were going on uh, internationally and in dealing with our nation itself. But ministers like Adrian Rogers, Jerry Falwell Sr., and Charles Stanley, among many others, uh, were preaching strongly for faith conviction and decisions and seeking God's faith, faith encouraging Christians to seek revival in those times and encouraging a change in direction in lives and in our nation. And you know, as many Christians prayed during that period of time, uh, things did start changing in our nation quickly. In the 1980s, became very prosperous economically. In fact, the blessings came so big that many of people abused those things, even in the Christian realm, uh, unfortunately. Look, when God brings great spiritual blessing and stuff like that, we still must honor God in the way we should honor him and not just assume that we gain all this stuff for, our, for ourselves. No, we must continue to give others. We must continue to pray. And we must certainly invest all of our stuff for the growth of the kingdom of God. And that song, If my people who are called by my name shall humble, them, humble themselves, seek my faith, and turn from their wicked ways, uh, it, it was kind of the theme song. Often heard it in churches. You would hear chorales uh, sing it. You'd hear it on the radio. Uh, church choirs would sing it. Uh, it. It was quite the song of the time. And unfortunately, we don't hear it anymore. I think that we should bring it back uh, because we re need to be reminded of what true revival is. But it's important to note the importance of the conditional elements here. Because you can look and say, well, this was for the temple in the context of the people at that time. We don't need to worry about that. All right? Uh, I would say, are you sure on that? Because all of these things, the humility, the prayer, uh, seeking God's face, and turning from our evil ways, uh, constitutes one word in Scripture. And it's called repentance. James 4.10, New Testament, by the way. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I like the way the King James says this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And by the way, let us live and walk with humility. Let us walk in the context of being humble and being a servant uh, toward others. Oh, let's talk about prayer here. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, you can dig deeper into that because if you understand uh, Greek language or you ever had the uh, uh, study the language at all, uh, you would know the tense of the verb here, ask, seek, and knock, um, are present active indicative verbs. And in the Greek, that indicates continuous action. So prayer is, and revival praying is to be a continual habit, habitual prayer for revival. We don't just get together and pray once. You know, churches used to have night watches for prayer, prayer night watches. Goodness, I remember those. Sometimes they would set up shifts for people to come in at night and pray. So 
You could be in the middle of the night, but somebody was praying around the clock. Whatever happened to those days? Continuance in prayer, continual, seeking, asking, knocking. And for those who are persistent, the door will be open. Now, let's talk about repentance. Are these not all universal principles? Are these not all things that have longevity, Old Testament, New Testament? Come on now, face to face, you know this is true. Solomon was telling the people to seek the very same things that we seek, whether we be in trouble, whether we need forgiveness of sin, uh, whatever it would be that caused God to do something either special in our lives or restore fellowship in our lives. These are Old Testament and New, the same thing. Let's talk about repentance. So I decided to go back to the Laonida lexicon of semantics domains, become a seminarian for a moment, and tell you what the meaning of repentance is, the real meaning. And when I mean semantic domains, the, the way this particular lexicon did the biblical words uh, was in the context of not only how they were used in the Bible, but semantic domains beyond the Bible to extra-biblical literature. So you know from Lao and Nida, you're getting a pretty good translation of what a particular word means. So metanoeo, or metanoia, metanoias, uh, that's the verb and the noun for repentance in the Greek, means this, to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude regard to sin and righteousness, to repent or to change one's way or repentance. Do you understand that? Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. I have another one here that's a longer one, but it just goes into more detail saying the same thing of what I just read to you. Repentance has to be there. You know, and this is not the kind of repentance we're talking about here. Not too long ago, uh, I was reading in the Christian Post about a megachurch out there claiming they're having revival in their Christmas services. And maybe it was a Christmas Eve service, I'm not sure, but all the church lights were darkened. By the way, our churches are darkening their lights too much. We walk in the light, friends. Turn on your lights in your church, please. That's editorial comment. Stop doing that. So here we go. He claimed revival, said this is the second year in a row. We had X number of people raise their hands and turn their cell phone lights on. Claiming that they made decisions when he said the prayer for them. You know what? I have problems with that. Where's the repentance in that? If you ever study real revival, you know there's periods of mourning and repentance. Mourning and repentance, oftentimes for people found Christ. I'm not going to judge somebody else's salvation, okay? Um, but I have a problem with that. To say that method and how salvation is reduced to somebody flicking on the flashlight on their cell phone? We have real problems in evangelicalism, my friends. If that's how we're looking at conversion these days, that's not real conversion. That's not real conversion. I'll challenge that anytime, anywhere. But let's go ahead and look forward because we're going to learn more about revival in the coming year. And you'll see my point. And by the time the year is over, 2022, those who listen to my channel, channel will know and understand what true revival is. And you know what's significant about this too, and I'll say this to those in other countries who listen to my podcast, uh, I will tell you this, uh, that this similar, similar types of revival that I'll be talking about happen in many nations around the world. When true revival comes, it usually comes in the same form. Severe, severe conviction of sin seeking God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And ultimately, you know, seeking and asking for forgiveness over a period of time, and it can be a short period of time, it can be a longer period of time. But then when God answers, those, these people's lives are changed for good. Changed for good. 
but we will go through some of that uh, in the days to come. Well, for now, friends, this begs the question of what should we do? I would say to Christians, you know, we need to up our game. We need to improve our walks of faith. Uh, We need to get more serious. We really need to walk and live uh, in the times like our Lord is going to be returning, which I believe is going to be very soon. It's the blessed hope for the Christians, uh, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to return. Well, part of that is that we need to be walking in a way, in a manner that manner that reflects uh, the light of Jesus Christ to other people. So let us make plans in 2022 uh, that we're going to strengthen our spiritual commitment. So ask yourself this question. Where do I need to grow? Where do you need to grow? You have to start there. You need to set aside time to think about this. You need to make a plan for it. You need to commit yourself to it. And you need to execute it daily. Things like Bible reading, prayer, and stuff we need to do daily, among other things. So the first question would be, do you have a Bible reading plan? I always advertise the Robert Murray Machine reading plan. You read through the New Testament and Psalms twice a year, and you read through the Old Testament once a year. All you got to do to find that plan is to go on Google, Robert Murray Mishane or McShane. It'll be the first thing that pops up on Google, and you can print it off the plan and use that for the year. And you will read, like I said, the Psalms and the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once. Now I will say there are a lot of, a lot of other great reading plans out there. There's the one-year plan, uh, whatever you can find that works. Some people use what's called a chronological plan, which uh, takes you through the scripture, what they believe is the order uh, that the books were written in, um, uh, certainly by time periods. Uh, Whatever you do, however you want to do it, just find a plan that's going to get you through the word of God in this coming year. Uh, The next one, prayer. Make Make an effort daily, time block that you're going to set aside time to go in the, uh, figuratively speak, in the prayer closet, spend some time with the Lord. Now, certainly we can pray to the Lord during the day. Uh, Sometimes we only get those short moments to seek God in prayer, Uh, but we still need that alone time. We still need to take time, not just having prayer time alone, but even when we read our scriptures, that we will take time to reflect on our reading. And if we do that, and we reflect on the story of Scripture, if we feel that the Lord's leading us to pause for a moment, and certainly maybe the, the Spirit of God is seeking to illuminate us, illuminate us uh, with something significant there that we need to know and grow by. Uh, so we have to make time for those things. We must really invest and concentrate uh, while we're doing it. So uh, take your spiritual inventory. Look, you could have and should have maybe done this before the new year began, but take your spiritual inventory. Very important. Seek Lord's guidance. What would he have you do in this coming new year? You know, I would say we all probably need to up our commitments to the uh, local fellowship, to the local church. I'll talk more about that here shortly. Uh, but I want to add a special bonus here to this too, because uh, if you could and you have internet, uh, go to this particular website I'll get you in a little bit. Now, I am very encouraged. I have, He's now a pastor and he was a seminary professor I've known uh, for a long time, went to school with him. And he put out a short, but it's very insightful article on his website uh, that talks about four spiritual commitments that you can center on for spiritual growth in 2022. I read this article. I was very impressed with it. Like I said, it's not short. It's not a hard read, but it's insightful and has some very good things for you and me to go uh, to grow by. And here's what they are. These were the four commitments. One, practice of spiritual disciplines. I just talked to you about that. That's we're talking about the prayer, the meditation, the Bible reading, things like that. Spiritual disciplines. Make church a priority was number two. I couldn't agree with him more on that one. Number three, prioritize biblical fellowship. One of the great ways that we grow, and sometimes we can do that uh, in Bible studies outside of church. Uh, sometimes we have groups of Christians um, or mentors who are Christians. Uh, 
biblical fellowship can come in many ways, shapes, and forms. But he's correct on that one, too. <laughs> and uh, it is something we need to look at. These are things that we can do better in the coming year because all of these things are certainly going to bring us closer to the, to the Lord and certainly bring us closer together uh, as Christians as well. And the fourth one is practice the one another's. Now, I could be smarty and say, well, if you're wondering what the one another's are, you, you'll have to read the article. But just think about love one another, things like that. Bear one another's burdens. Those are the types of things he's talking about in the article. So I'm a nice guy. I gave it to you. Um, but having said that, it, it's an excellent read. I'm going to give you the website. And it's just one word. Kevin Carson, K-E-V-I-N-C-A-R-S-O-N.com. KevinCarson.com. And go in there and look for the article. It's probably near the top of the page, I would say, if you do this right away, called Four Spiritual Commitments That Will Impact Your New Year on This Sunday. And on this Sunday, it's all one word with a hashtag in front of it. So again, it's KevinCarson.com, articles titled Four Spiritual Commitments That Will Impact Your New Year on This Sunday. Uh, hashtag on this Sunday. Now I'll tell you right now, it's a very, very good plan to center your spiritual growth on this year. I commend Kevin Carson for what he's given here. It is a very good, good thing. Uh, it might help you shape your your plan for the coming year uh, even better than you thought. So, all right, let's talk about Solomon. What happened at the temple? If we do the things that we need to do in seeking God in the coming year. If we do these things, even what this, these four commitments have to say, or the things that I talked about in reference to Solomon in the temple, if we do humble ourselves, seek God's face, turn from our own ways, or whatever we're doing in our spiritual lives, or if we're we living and making our own choices, and that's not really living the spiritual life right at all. What are we doing? Well, if we want to improve, we got to persist in plan and persist in doing the things that God has called us to do. Now, when Solomon finished pray, praying, the Word of God says in 2 Chronicles 7, 1-3, Fires just descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests were not able to enter the Lord's temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. All the Israelites were watching on the fire. When the, I'm sorry, all the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. So wow, so Solomon, while he's praying, he saw this. The priests couldn't even walk into the temple the glory and the fire and everything was so strong. And the congregation was watching. Do we want to see the glory of the Lord fill our temples again? Not the manufactured stuff. No. I'm talking about the kind of stuff that happened in the First Great Awakening in 1741 or 1734 and 1735 when the real revival fires happened. And they all started with the things humble yourself in the sight of, sight of the Lord, pray, seek your face, turning from the wicked ways and stuff. And people were converted in droves, not just in the colonies, but in Europe as well. That's the kind of stuff that we need in our times. You want that? If you do, we need to pray for it. We need to commit ourselves to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. And Solomon finished praying, and the glory of the Lord showed lord shown where the glory go in our times where the glory go well if we want it back folks it's time to do our job and make it happen before i close this today i really want to take a moment of time to pray for the upcoming year and you know i i'll give this quote by david brainerd who a man who did see revival in his time even though he lived a short life, but he did see a real revival uh, on his final missionary journey. And he made a comment about a new year. 
he said this. And David Brainerd, by the way, lived in the 1700s. Um, he said, oh, that I could begin this year with God and spend the whole of it to his glory, either in life or death. Do you hear that? Oh, that I could be begin this year with God and spend the whole of it to his glory, either in life or death. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful thought? Let it be ours. But we must draw near to, go, uh, to the Lord so that he can draw near to us. Let us pray for 2022 at this time. Our gracious God, you are holy, you are righteous, and you know you, you are on the throne. You are one who is in control and sovereign over all things, whether in your world, the nations, and certainly over our lives. And the last couple of years or so have been very difficult, a very difficult year for many people, uh, pestilences, uh, there's been natural disasters, uh, economic crises at times. Uh, Lord, the world has become very challenging. The world has become, in many ways, very dangerous. But Lord, you love your people. And Lord, you know who, those who belong to you. And we give you thanks for that grace that you care and you watch over us. And Lord, we, you are, we are never uh, out of your hands, never out of your care. Lord, in talking and this podcast tonight about revival and our need to humble ourselves uh, before you, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and you will lift us up. Lord, help us to have that kind of humility to approach your throne uh, in the holiness that you have, so much so that Isaiah saw in chapter 6 of that book where he saw the cherubim flying around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we need to know that you are all of that. And Lord, you have certain things that you do require. Jesus said, if one loves me, he will keep my commandments. Lord, let us not be careless in our walks of faith. Let us take our walk seriously. Let us make uh, things to, that please you a priority. Let us be active in our churches. Bring your people together once again to the house of God so that you're not, we, we know over time you shake away the chaff from the wheat. But Lord, in this day and time in particular, it's becoming very clear who the real saints are and the ones who are not. But Lord, help us to be wise in the way we live. Help us to be careful what we do. Help us to make the right choices. And certainly may your spirit guide our lives because, Lord, we need to be seeking your direction. We need to be in the things that involve reading your word, the praying, the meditation that, uh, again, are going to help us grow and ever bring us closer to you uh, in our walk of faith. And, Lord, help us to lead others. Help us to take other Christians under our wing who are either new or uh, immature and need to have a walk of faith. But, Lord, we know from the Scripture that uh, the warnings and uh, things are very clear that you are going to come, that one day all of us will stand before you. Um, all of us will stand before you uh, and give account of ourselves and help us to think about that. Help us to think and look at our Christian lives and map it out then and say, well, what do I want my walk of faith to look like? And then make a, a plan to help us get there in line with with your leading, Lord. Lord, truly, you are good. Many people struggled. I have friends who struggled with COVID uh, over the last year. And Lord, we certainly do pray that uh, uh, help our government leaders make wise decisions. Help our government leaders to guide them in the decisions they make. Uh, pray that you will protect our nation. Give us our leaders wisdom and how they seek to guide this nation, Lord. And one of the things that we need greatly in this nation is a return to you and a return to faith and a return to righteousness to the Almighty God. Lord, help us to seek those things. Revival is a very important thing. People need the Lord. People need a walk of faith. There is a hell, and there is a hell to be avoided. Help us to become evangelists once again, sharing the good news with others so we might see revival once again. We give you thanks 
pray that you hear our, this prayer, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I do want to say thank you for listening to today's Denarius. This is a longer than normal and one that I didn't think would go this long. However, it's a very important one. And I do hope that however long you listened, I do hope that there were things that you heard today that might be good ideas for you to help in your faith walk in the coming year. You know, I don't have a means to hear back from my audience on uh, my podcast. However, I do trust that God, in His wisdom, is going to accomplish great things for people uh, over time. So God bless you. I wish all my friends out there and listen to my podcast a wonderfully blessed uh, 2022. And thank you again uh, for listening to Two Days Denarius. Satisfy us in the morning With your unfailing love So that we may sing for joy To the ends of our of our time so that we may grow